If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 208 of the Leading Learning Podcast, where we talk with Bradley Stotts, author of Never Stop Learning, Stay Relevant, Reinvent Yourself, and Thrive. Jeff, you were the one who had the pleasure of talking with Brad. What did the two of you discuss? Well, as you mentioned, Brad is the author of Never Stop Learning, but in his day-to-day work, he's a professor of operations at the Keenan Flagler Business School at the University of North Carolina, so right over near us, and I got to sit down with him in person, and, and in fact, he is the Associate Dean of MBA programs at Keenan Flagler. So he comes at the topic of learning as a teacher and also someone who's been able to do significant field research with a wide range of organizations over many years. In all of that work, he's focused on how to improve individual learning and design organizations that create successful learning environments. So we talk initially about learning as a focus of business academia and whether he sees that as a growing trend. And then, of course, we move into discussing different aspects of his book, starting with the observation that humans in general tend to be bad learners. (laughs) And then, of course, what we can do about that. Now, Brad's passion and acute intellect are readily apparent in the interview. He's He's really skilled at boiling down his research and making complex areas of human behavior much more approachable and understandable. And I'll note, too, that he's a seasoned speaker, so anyone looking to get the never stop learning message out to their audience should definitely check him out. So, Jeff, what reflection questions do you have to offer to go along with this episode? And as a reminder, listeners, you can find the reflection questions in the show notes available at leadinglearning.com slash episode 208. So as far as reflection questions go, first, early in the interview, Brad makes the point that when it comes to learning, we're often our own biggest enemies. So as you listen, consider ways in which you may be creating barriers to your own learning, and then ask what steps might you take to remove those barriers. And then next, Later in the interview, Brad offers his advice on how to design and facilitate learning experiences in a way that will help participants be better learners. So ask yourself, to what extent are we following his advice and what else could we be doing to empower our learners? Definitely great questions to ensure listeners are good learners during and after this episode. So let's roll the interview with Brad Stotts. Hey there, I'm Jeff Cobb. This is the Leading Learning Podcast, and I am sitting here at the Keenan Flagler Business School at the University of North Carolina, and I'm with Professor Bradley Stotts. And looking forward to having a great conversation about one of my favorite topics, and I believe one of his as well, learning. But first, Brad, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Excited to have a chance to talk with you today. Well, we've given uh, you know your your very substantial and impressive bio as part of the introduction to this episode, but uh, I'd love for listeners to know 
you know, what's, what's not in that bio that it would be good to know about you? Sure. So I'm an operations professor who studies behavioral science. And so bringing those two together uh, makes me a bit unusual in the field. But I'm also somebody who's constantly trying to uh, you know, improve on a daily basis, particularly as a parent of three boys who also coaches their baseball team. So lots of opportunities for me to uh, fail with them uh, and try to learn something and improve the next time. All right. Well, we'll come back maybe to that topic of, of failure and learning. I know that's uh, central uh, to your work, but um, but but first of all, just you know, the, the fact that you're engaged with learning at all intrigues me. I've, I've spent a lot of time in business schools uh, in the past, you know, so a couple decades ago, and I feel like at that point there might be uh, might have been an emphasis on say organizational learning, people doing that kind of work, but um, but the focus on individual learning, on on team learning, uh, I don't really recall that being there. That seems like sort of a, a new wave. That's coming along. Is I mean, is that right? Is that becoming more mainstream, or are you sort of an outlier? No, I, I think it's a fair point. I mean, I think you know, what's interesting is there has been organizational learning work through the years, and you know, I think what we've seen you know over the past you know, decade and a little plus more is an appreciation that well, organizational learning comes from individuals. I mean, how I fell in love with the learning topic was actually as an MBA student. Um, first time I saw kind of operational improvement, and I saw the Toyota production system, and so you know with that suddenly here was a way that helped people do their work better, Mm. right? And so this kind of people and process intersection is one that it's a small segment that's in it deeply, but I think there are a number of people scattered throughout the world that see just how important that is to help people be successful to lead to eventually, hopefully, organization success as well. Right, right. So that, all of that individual learning uh, ultimately builds up to... It can at least, right? Sometimes yeah. sometimes we lose it, but I think yeah. when done well, individual learning turns into team, turns into organizational learning. Yeah. Right? If you're looking for technology that will help your learning business empower people and process, check out our sponsor of this quarter. Community Brands provides a suite of cloud-based software for organizations to engage and grow relationships with the individuals they serve, including association management software, learning management software, job board software, and event management software. Community Brands award-winning Crowd Wisdom Learning Platform is among the world's best LMSs for corporate extended enterprise and is a leading LMS for association-driven professional education programs. Award-winning Freestone, Community Brands' live event learning platform, is a leading platform for live learning event capture, webinars, webcasts, and on-demand streaming. Find out more at leadinglearning.com slash community brands. And now back to the interview as Brad addresses why most of us aren't all that good at learning. But there's a problem there, um, as you point out in your book, and yep. that uh, most of us just are, are not all that good at, at learning. Um, can you explain you know, what, what you mean by that, why that is such a problem? Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a point that has, has fascinated me. Uh, much of my research is kind of me search of things I do wrong that I want to try to, to fix. And I think that, mm. you know, I, I'm probably representative of many folks in this way that, you know, we can put the best processes in place, that this is what has worked elsewhere, this will lead people to learn. Um, and then we see that it doesn't work for an individual. Um, and so we had this challenge that, 
you know, when it comes to learning, we are often our own biggest enemy. Mm. Um, and why is that? You know, I, I think it the, there's nuance in each of the individual practices, but fundamentally, you know, we focus on getting things done. Um, we focus often on the short term, uh, where learning is frequently an investment. Um, it is right. sometimes, you know, means we have to slow down to go fast in the long run. Um, and then we have to often make ourselves uncomfortable, right? It's easy to do the same thing that we know is going to work rather than trying a new thing that might advance us in a different direction. And so, you know, I think it's fair to say we almost have a bias in many ways against learning, Mm. um, which then we both individually and organizationally have to try to fight against. Mm. And so I I would summarize your book or characterize your book as uh, basically a uh, exploration of how we stop being bad at, at learning. And, um, you know, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to try to make you cover the whole book in, in a podcast. That would take uh, quite a while. <laughs> Certainly recommend the book to anybody who's Thank listening. You. It's definitely a required reading if you are a, a learning leader or an aspiring learning leader. But um, I, I'd, I'd love to hear, do you have some some favorites uh, out of the, the ground that you cover in the book, uh, some, some practices, some techniques, or just just some areas where people need to be a little more conscious uh, to, to be better learners. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> I mean, don't get me wrong. We could stay here for the next you know, eight <laughs> hours or so, and I'd be happy to walk through the entire book. It, uh, you know, it gets me excited to each of the topics. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think where I would maybe start um, is around process and outcome mm. uh, that, you know, we often focus on, you know, kind of did something work, right? And so sometimes this will be called an outcome bias, that if it, if right. it worked well, then we think we, you know, we followed a good process. If it worked poorly, we followed a bad process. And I think what what effective learners recognize is it's about the decision. It's about the process rather than what just happened. Um, you know, this has really struck me recently. I do a lot of teaching on analytics. So kind of learning and analytics are my two big areas. Um, and what's fascinating about analytics is even if you do everything right, you're typically not guaranteeing your, su- your success. You're increasing your likelihood of success. Mm. And I think that's a nice way to think about kind of learning in general, that you know, when we try to improve, you know, I can't be positive that the new approach is going to work, right? right. Um, that unfortunately, even I, I can do it all right and, you know, somebody else does it better, uh, somebody else gets luckier, you know, all sorts of things. And so one of the tools for learning that I'm increasingly a fan of um, is a decision journal or a process journal. Mm. Um, and so the idea being that when you're working on major things, kind of laying out, you know, why do you think this is going to work? What's your rationale before? For it. Think about if you're putting a bid in for a big sales deal. Um, you know, why do you think this is the right price? What is the logic? What are the assumptions? And I think that actually does two things for you. One is it may improve the work before you submit it, say right. it's a project, because then, oh, this is a key assumption. Well, what if this is wrong, right? You can flip it. And then after the fact, you actually have something to compare to instead of the kind of post hoc rationalization of, oh, it wasn't my fault or, you know, this is, this is what's wrong. You can you can try to be a little bit more rigorous in your after action review mm. um, because of what you've done beforehand. Right. I was actually going to bring up that very term because uh, we've we've done uh, whole episodes on after action reviews before, and it sounds like yes, you would you would have better material to work with and doing a, a good uh, after action review if you do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so there's kind of the before and after self, right? And and what's interesting about learning, um, and this is back to kind of how we're biased, is is after something occurs, we forget some amount of that before, mm-hmm. right? And, and we sort of have motivated reasoning to, you know, 
back to this, I lost the deal. Oh, it wasn't my fault. I did everything I could. You know, the competitor just got really lucky. Well, sometimes that is in fact true, but often, you know what, there's some stuff I could have done differently too, right? right. And so trying to rigorously look at that, um, separating before and after can, can help the cause. Right, right. And so definitely a, a healthy dose of reflection in there. And if reflection is something you you get into quite a bit in, in the book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the you know, a, a learning leader is a reflective leader. Mm. Um, and a learning leader is an acting leader too. So it's not that, you know, we can, we can completely tie ourselves up into, into being a thinker. Um, but I think what we have found in our research is that, you know, most people don't think enough, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, we did some, some interesting work around reflection. Um, you know, we did a big study with a tech services company and a training program of theirs where we took two weeks in the middle of a six week program. Um, and we gave them a 15 minute, uh, kind of end of the day time to reflect. And we randomly assigned this. So some people did it and some people did not. Um, and you know, what we found is the group that reflected for two weeks performed about 25% better mm. kind of on a test at the very end um, you know, to, to secure the job. They were provisional employees. They performed perform better um, operationally, too, in terms of their customer service scores for the first month on the job. And as we've studied reflection in lots of different samples, what we found is that people tend to not want to do it. We tend to come up with ways to avoid it, right. um, where it is such an important piece of what did I do? What can I learn? How do I put them together? Right, right. And, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, in some ways... Um, Re- reflection seems intuitive. We would think, okay, if, we, if we'll reflect a little bit, yep. um, as long as long as you said we still act and don't yep. just spend all our time reflecting, that should certainly help with uh, with learning. Is there anything uh, you've come across in your in your research, whether it's for this book or, or otherwise, that um, that you just find really surprising about you know this this is something that we should be doing to to help ourselves learn that you know maybe we're not maybe we're not aware of that uh, that this is a, a good practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, so I think it's a fair point on reflection. Um, you know, and it's an interesting point that many of these things are, we know to do it, you know, we just do not do it, Mm -hmm. which in some ways is surprising to me in its own way, um, that, you know, if this is so powerful, why won't we make that 10 minutes? Why do we fill up our calendars kind of wall to wall? Um, you know, I think the one that has surprised me the most is the power of authenticity, Mm. um, the power of being ourselves. So, um, you know, we did a big research study a few years ago now with, uh, another tech services company. Um, and there we did it around onboarding. So people coming into, uh, to work and coming in to, to join the firm. Um, and so what was interesting about that one is the company had approached me. I'd, I'd done a number of projects with them and they said, is there any way that you can reduce attrition immediately? Mm. Um, and, and so as I thought about this, I, I realized, well, I can't do just a standard learning by doing it. It's got to hit them, you know, day one. And so a couple colleagues, Dan Cable, Francesca Gino and I kind of sat down and said, you know, what's the, What's the craziest thing we can do that the company will say no to, but that we that we think might work? Right, um, I remember this from and, the book. And yeah. so, yeah, and so this uh, what we did was um, we randomly assigned people into three conditions. We had a control group, so employees joining on day one um, that just got the same onboarding process. And then we had a group that, that got a treatment that was just an hour on the first day, but was focused on the individual, um, and basically it was a discussion. 
a number of activities of who are you when you're at your best, um, kind of introduce yourself to others this way, do an individual activity, hear from a star employee about um, how you can be yourself at this empl- at this employer. Um, and then we gave them a couple of fleeces with their names on them, um, as well as a little badge with their name on it. So very individual. Mm-hmm. And since we were worried maybe people just wanted free stuff, we did an organizational condition. You got an hour, all about how great of an employer it was, and it was very selective. Um, and you got the fleece as well, but this time it had the company name. And so I still remember, um, you know, sitting here in this building, uh, Dan and Fran were both, you know, around and and we were um, gathered around my desk um, as we had the data and we hit the button for the first time to see like, okay, did this work? And, and, you know, you've you've been around enough of this stuff to know that research, even when it works, it's usually just kind of, well, we see something, we need to analyze more, like, let's keep, you know, and this was one where we we hit the button and it passed the eyeball test. We saw kind of a 30% difference Mm. in people staying at the firm six months later um, who had gone through this individual condition. And then we did all of the rigorous analysis and it, and it all held up. But it just blew me away um, that that effect was so big and in some ways that it worked. I mean, that, that we thought, well, maybe. Um, but I think it gets to this. We have such a need to be ourselves. Mm. Um, and learning is such an empowering way to do that. Um, but, but that sometimes gets kind of beat out of us, you know, figuratively, um, or we don't give ourselves that freedom to what is it that I want to pursue. And so I think that was, that was one of those studies that just, you know, kind of opened my eyes to, you know, there is some, there is such an opportunity here um, to, to hopefully make some lives better as a result of what we're doing. Yeah. I remember really being struck by that, uh, that chapter in the, in the book and and that discussion. And, uh, and at the time too, I was thinking, it's different, but it but it um, it reminded me it reminded me a little bit of Carol Dweck's work mm-hmm. um, because you know she's the whole you know growth mindset fixed yep. mindset, but she's also uh, as part of that it's, it's really kind of the belief in yourself you yep. know that you can do this that you know that you're kind of worthy and and are able um, to do it and I think that that's, that's somewhere baked into that whole authenticity and really finding you know who you are and being comfortable with that and then and then leveraging that you know as you pursue learning well and I, and I love that you're combining those two I mean because I think the the analogy there, there's two pieces I would tie with that I mean the, the analogy of you know, the little engine that could right I think mm. I can I think I can is a big part of this process but I think the other piece is this recognition that kind of finding uh, what we want to do, finding our passion is an exploration, right? right. It's it's not, um, you know, uh, or it's a development process, I guess, is even what I would say. Um, that it's not just, hey, it's it's there waiting for me to capture it. And, you know, I kind of found the needle in the haystack and I'm done. Um, but that, you know, what the mindset work tells us is that it, since improvement is constant, you know, if we find things we like, we start to get better at them. And then we can figure out, do we want to keep making that investment, right? And it's kind of back to the, the iterative loop that I think is so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now uh, another area that, that you cover in the book, and I, and I think it may be particularly relevant to listeners uh, of leading learning because you know a lot of the listeners are people who organize meetings, they organize you know big continuing education, professional development uh, events. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll complain that these seem like checkbox events to them too, that people are just showing up, you know, yep. in certain fields sure. in particular, like, you know, accounting, legal, just get their hours, you know, but, 
but they try very hard to, you know, to make the value of the networking strong. In fact, that's mm-hmm. often a big promotional point. You're going to be able to network. Yep. Um, there's been a lot of movement towards, you know, trying to do more group work. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, if you're going to try to speak at one of these events, it's often part of the requirement. How are you going to get people, you know, to to work together? Um, but you point out that um, sometimes it's it, it's difficult for us to really learn from others and, and with others, as, again, as, as well as we could. Um, just another one of those difficult areas of learning. Can you comment on, on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, I, I think you're right that we often – there's a few things going on there, right? I mean, one is that we think of learning as an individual sport sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that especially if you went through the U.S. educational system, um, traditionally that's what it looked like, right? The teacher sat in the front, they talked to you, and we can see that kind of set up around the world in a number of different countries. Um, and, and what we recognize is that while there is clearly this component for individual learning, things like reflection, how do you make sense of it, mm-hmm. um, that our eventual success is so dependent on that interaction with others. Um, you know, we've done a bunch of work looking at teams uh, and team learning. Um, and what we see again and again is, you know, team performance is driven as much and sometimes more by, you know, that coordination piece that, um, you know, if you and I work together repeatedly, our chance of success goes up dramatically. And we see that in work we have done in software teams, consulting teams, healthcare teams, the military, um, sports teams, etc. Um, and so I think that kind of goal of how how do we bring more of this in, um, you know, and help people realize that it's not just the participants realize it's not just kind of make work. It's not, Oh, you know, they're, they're trying to entertain me here for a little bit. Um, you know, it is incredibly valuable. So it's like, well-intentioned. I'm thrilled to hear that people are, are going down that path. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there is that natural pushback of no learning is about me and it's learning, learning is about you and about us. Yeah. And what, what can, can possibly be done to, to motivate people to to interact with others in, in productive uh, ways to, to make that you know kind of group learning experience more productive. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I do think one is awareness, and mm. so seeing um, and hearing about you know just how vital that that interaction is to success. Um, you know, I, I would also suggest for anybody coming into that context, um, you know, trying to change their mindset. Back to that point, mm. um, that you know. I tell the story in the book about kind of the smartest person I know, and it still holds, you know, having published a book, he's still the smartest person I know. Um, I was always impressed that any meeting he went into, he seemed to have a genuine interest in others. Mm. And I and I asked him after the fact kind of what that was. And he said, look, Brad, I know that anybody I talk to knows something more about, you know, whatever a topic is than I do, right? And I don't know what it is they know, but my goal in the meeting is to learn that. Right. Um, and I think that's part of the interaction. Right. I'm really successful learners um, are willing to take kind of an amateur mindset, right? Mm-hmm. They don't get stuck in their expertise um, that, okay, look, at all that I know, and it's fair, they know a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what more could I know? I sometimes put it this way that, you know, I, as a professor who's been doing this, you know, studying for whatever it is now, 15, 16 years, um, I appreciate that I know more about learning than at any point in my life. Mm-hmm. Like I verifiably can can say that. At the same time, so think of that as a numerator, the denominator of how much there is to know about <laughs> learning, um, I also realize is bigger than I thought it was at right. any point in my life. And so my kind of percent of total knowledge continues to go down over time, um, which is a bit depressing. um, (laughs) But it does then, I think, create some of that inspiration of, wow, and working with others, um, how how can I try to increase that rate um, and increase kind of all of our chance at success? Yeah, that's kind of the world we live in.
in these days, just the flow of knowledge and information keeps compounding. It, it does, right? I mean, the, the knowledge expands. And also, the more we learn, the more connections we see, right? Mm. So there is an element of, as we're learning, we're taking the blinders off. Right. And and you know, even if something new wasn't created, it's kind of new to us, right? Which, which um, that's where really successful experts, I think, um, differ. Mm. Uh, because as we learn more, um, there's this big push to being specialized, to getting narrow. Um, and that's important. We need depth. Um, but we also have to be willing to ask that question, what do I not know? What is going to be important here going forward? How do I not get blindsided? And that means... One of the tricks is trying to approach things like an amateur, mm. um, trying to think about, well, how might I have thought about this 15 years ago? Or if I were brand new to this, how would I look at it? And that can often spark some really interesting questions. Right. And you're uh, bringing to mind uh, a couple of different threads for me. One is, and I'll mention this mostly, so lead, uh, the learners, learners our, our listeners are learners, so our learning <laughs> listeners can, can tune in. We, we did an episode recently with um, Wanda Wallace. Uh, who used to be over at Duke and, and has her own um, firm now, but she has a new book out and she talks about the concept of the, the expert leader versus the spanning leader. And, and you're not one or the other. Um, yep. you, ha- you have your expertise, but you need to be able to do what you just said, kind of pull up and, and be able to span you know, different roles, different mindsets, different perspectives to be able to lead effectively. So I would definitely you know, tell listeners to go back and, and, and tune into that episode if you haven't already. But I'm also hearing there um, this combination of uh, – uh, what I would characterize as uh, humility and curiosity, really, and, and, and having that active curiosity. And that's, um, that's something we talked uh, quite a bit about with, um, with Francesca Gino, who I know yep. you, you've done a, a, lot, a lot of uh, research uh, with. Uh, did the do, two of you still have any overlap in, in your research? You're still doing things together? No, we still do quite a bit together. So Fran and I, um, we met when she was doing a postdoc and I was doing my doctorate up at Harvard. Um, and then she and I overlapped on the faculty here uh, for a little bit. And then now she's back up in Boston, uh, but we still work together um, you know, a fair bit. We've got a big project we're kicking off now with a multinational consultant firm um, looking basically at their leadership model, um, trying to understand you know what is effective leadership mm. um, and what is ineffective leadership. And, and two of the key elements that we're talking about are exactly what you just mentioned, that curiosity piece. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think that you know, people's willingness to ask why, to ask what, to try to understand the breadth piece is a really big deal. Um, and then that humility. I mean, I, I, I am there has been some very cool work out recently on humility. I'm reasonably confident that that's a thread that is really going to take off mm. in in the broader psychology, business management literature. Um, because I think while self confidence is is clearly important, we have to you know, be comfortable leaning in and trying new things. Right. Um, you know, especially as we get higher in organizations, the confidence sort of comes on its own. Right, you're now in a role that everybody is going to treat you differently. Um, do you have the humility to um, you know, admit you might be wrong, to ask what you don't know, right. when you fail, um, to model the right kind of practices. Um, and I think what we see is effective leaders, period, have that. Um, and certainly effective learning leaders are going to have that. Mm-hmm. And we, we've maybe touched on this a little bit when we were talking about helping people work uh, together in, in groups, but to kind of to come up to that higher level of learning leadership, particularly as we apply it here at, um, at leading learning. You know, again, we have listeners who are usually pulling together large groups of people, um, running seminars, running conferences. Um, and I don't know the extent you've thought about this, so maybe putting you on the spot a little bit, but, um, I mean, practically speaking, if they're thinking about, you know, 
designing an event, um, big learning event or a series of seminars or, or whatever, um, and coming back to this whole question of people not necessarily being naturally good learners or, or really understanding how to learn well, I mean, put on a you know consulting hat for a minute. What, sure. what are the one, two, three things you would say to those designers of, of learning events, those, you know, those you know, sellers of uh, learning experiences that are going are gonna to help their customers be better learners? Read your book, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly that goes without saying. Thank you. I appreciate the plug. Um, no, I mean, I think, um, I mean, one of the elements that I'm increasingly a fan of is, is being very clear about your learning objectives mm-hmm. uh, that I think, um, I love there's a quote from uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower, the president general, who said, um, planning is everything. The plan is nothing. Uh, and so I think you know, we mm-hmm. often jump into these things and we'll have incredibly long planning documents and you know, we'll get all of the T's crossed and I's dotted. But did we actually start with a, when they leave here, what do I want them to do differently? Right. And, and actually push ourselves to answer that question rigorously because it's not just be a better accountant, be a better lawyer. Because right. yeah, of course you want that, but you know, can you get it down to you know? I want you know, we're going to talk about empathy, or we're going to talk about um, you know humility, or you know, there's something that that I want them to be on the other side of mm-hmm. um, that they actually have, and 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 I think that um, that is you know, where I often see folks in those kind of settings run into trouble. They put together an awesome event, like, but it, but it's kind of like eating at the buffet where every dish is good, but it, you know, an hour later, you don't really remember anything and you probably feel a little bit upset to your stomach. Right. That's Uh, a great, great analogy. Uh, And, and so having kind of a, that theme piece, um, you know, and, and maybe you don't even, you know, it's, it may not be the theme on the the title, uh, but underneath, you know, we're going to do empathy and, and then kind of the second piece I would say is measure. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, y- you can, you know, ask questions before and after and, and hopefully see a difference because your programming has lined up yeah. you know, to that point. Um, and the third piece that's kind of in the middle there is, you know, while some sessions will be very explicitly about that, think about how you can incorporate some of that in others mm-hmm. um, just so the thread carries through. And some of the best things I've seen have done that where they still, you know, sometimes you're talking about something very unrelated, but there's a little small nudge. And then you have other sessions that right. are quite firmly on it. Right, right. I, I love that. We've... Uh... We've tried to do that with some of our events. We have a long ways to go in, in learning how to do it. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I struggle with it but, t- too, to be clear, that uh, it's, it's a hard thing, um, especially when we have a broad group of you know, what is it that they really need out of this, yeah. um, but valuable if you can. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I'm wondering, um, I, I don't recall you really going into this um, very specifically in the, in the book, um, uh, basically technology and learning. I mean, obviously technology is a huge driver for why we need to never stop learning Um, everything that it's created uh, for us, uh, both good and bad. Um, But in terms of, you know, technology helping us with all of this to, to be that, that better learner um, to succeed, what's your, what's your perspective on that? No, I mean, I I think we're, I think we're in the midst of figuring all of that out, right? Mm. There's so many tools out there that are trying to do things that we're experimenting with. Um, You know, I, I think that, I mean, technology can do anything from nudging us for the right behaviors as we set reminders, right. um, as we use kind of goal commitment devices um, to uh, to try to get us to take that time to reflect, right? Like, you know, actually blocking it on your calendar, as simple as that. So, you know, you have 10 minutes at the end of the day, or um, we did some work looking at commutes. 
rates and the value of we sent people text messages to get them to plan on their way into work. Uh, and so you can imagine just setting an alarm that, you know, you're riding the subway and it pops up and or the bus and, you know, time to think about what you're going to do today or what are two things you're going to do. Um, I think that then we can get into the more immersive technologies and those get really exciting. Um, you know, here at Kenneth Flagler, we're doing a lot with um, whether it's kind of video based, we're starting to do some things around virtual reality and creating experiences for people to, you know, go to, um, you know, a health clinic in an African country um, and try to troubleshoot what's going on there and cool. ask questions. And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, I, I am absolutely a technology optimist in kind of every sense of the word. I think the the one you know cautionary note I would say is you know sometimes we um, we substitute we we have technology without that underlying plan of what are we trying to learn what are we actually doing here and so we end up with the bells and whistles without kind of the core content mm-hmm. uh, and so making sure that we kind of marry that. Um, you know, to, to move forward. Yeah, same same lesson as with the events. They, what, really are, is, what are you right? actually trying to uh, to yeah. achieve there? there there's and, a theme and, here, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, well, great. Um, you know, as you said at the beginning, we we could probably go on all day and then yeah, cover, cover your whole book. Um, but again, I will encourage folks uh, to to read the book. Um, but I'd love to to focus in on your your own learning here at the end, which we traditionally yep. do as as part of the leading learning podcast. And um, the the question we like to ask uh, for everybody is, you know, what's What's just a very powerful learning experience you've had, um, you know, in your adult life after you, you know, finished your, your formal uh, education? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's so many places to go with this, right? And, um, you know, the the go-to example would be one of the many times I've failed. And so those were, you know, as I was thinking about the questions, um, kind of the failing and getting up and, and how hard that was. And I think all of those work. Um, but the one that that I felt like stuck out to me at least um, was, you know, I remember when I did my MBA, actually, um, I did a summer internship at what I thought would be a dream company, great technology company, Mm. incredible role. um, And, you know, and I went and I spent the summer and it went well and I got an offer at the end, but I knew I wanted nothing to do with this. Um, And it was, you know, kind of not the job that I could ever imagine. Um, and, you know, at the time, I considered that very much a failure uh, of, you know, why, why couldn't I have gotten this right? You know, how right. think of think of all the ways I could have done better. Um, and, you know, as, as my wife helped me unpack it at the time, uh, I came to appreciate, you know, this value of closing doors and, and this value of um, now I would call it hypothesis testing. I had an idea of what I thought would work and tried it um, and it didn't. And that that kind of rejection of a hypothesis, um, you know, it, it's not what we want. Right, we want everything to work, but that's not how science works. That's not how learning works. That's not how improvement works. And so, that willingness to try something when it doesn't work, um, walk away from it, right? Because that's really hard um, to admit. Oh, this hypothesis was wrong. But I think it's effective learners come up with a hypothesis, and then importantly, they look to reject it. They don't look to confirm it. Right. Uh, and so, that's the lesson I'd kind of leave folks with: is think about kind of whatever work you're doing right now. What is the hypothesis that sits behind kind of the path? you're going down and how could you reject it and if you do great you've rejected it move on to a new one if you don't then keep going um, as you uh, look to get better love that love that sort of applying the scientific method to your to your own exactly. life and learning all right great well fantastic this is uh, as i knew it would be a, a, a great conversation um 
if folks want to find out more about you, find out more about your work, um, perhaps connect with you, yep. where can they do that? Sure. So either uh, Twitter's a great way to interact at uh, brstats, S-T-A-A-T-S, uh, or online www.bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, stots, S-T-A-A-T-S, dot com. Um, would love to interact with folks. Well, great. Well, Dr. Bradley Stotts, thanks so much for being on the Leading Learning Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. This was fun. That concludes the interview with Brad Stotts. To get show notes, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 208. And the show notes will include the reflection questions. One, when it comes to learning, we're often our own biggest enemy. Consider ways in which you may be creating barriers to your own learning. What steps might you take to remove those barriers? And two, to what extent are you following Brad's advice on how to design and facilitate learning experiences in a way that will help participants be better learners? What else are you doing to empower your learners? And when you check out the show notes, you'll see the various options for subscribing to the podcast. If you're getting value out of what you hear and you haven't already subscribed, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. It helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. We'd also be grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple. That'll put you in the right place. Jeff and I personally appreciate your rating and review. And even more importantly, those reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. And we'd be grateful if you'd check out our sponsor for this quarter. Find out more about community brands at leadinglearning.com slash community brands. Finally, consider following us and sharing the good word about leading learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter. You can find us on Facebook by going to leadinglearning.com slash Facebook. And you can find us on LinkedIn at leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. We also encourage you to use the hashtag leading learning on each of those channels. However you do it, please do follow us and help spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.